Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to a special episode of Sex Stories, an update from a lovely past guest who is here to talk about his emotional journey with sex and search for love. A 32-year-old gay man who is single and a social worker, he is into rimming, kissing, and foreplay, and we first talked in episode 129 from July 2021, Bite Loving Bisexual. Welcome back, Alex. Hey, how are you? I am so happy to have you here and so Excited to talk after two years where we have both, I think, grown a lot. Can you start off by 
telling us today if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame-o-meter with 10 being full of shame and one being not so shamey at all, where do you fall today right now? And what has the roller coaster been like in the couple years since we talked? I think a two today. Okay. I'm in a really good place right now. It's been a roller coaster. I think like I just listened back to our episode, which was actually really fun. I was like, it's been two years. I kind of want to know what I said. Yeah. And it was really interesting to listen to and a lot has changed. But I think what I said then was right now that it's just like a roller coaster. The shame kind of goes up and down and depends where you're at in your life and what's going on around you. And like right now I'm in a really good place. Fuck yeah. There's so much shame there. I love that. Tell us about this emotional journey with sex. Bring shame into it if you want, but also maybe the parts where shame just washed away. Like what has been happening for you with these emotions? And also maybe I want to ask about the label now full gay bisexual to full gay (laughs) yeah i mean again i still agree with what i said then that labels just kind of make it a little messy for me and again i don't find conversations where people are asking me this in like my daily Mm. life like are you gay are you bisexual i think even my friends it was just kind of this thing that happened and not many people asked me but yeah, if someone asks me, I'm like, yeah, I'm gay. Like, this is what it is now. I kind of only see myself with men. It was interesting to hear it back because I was kind of in that place. of I'm still figuring it out. I don't know what I want. I wasn't completely out of the closet to everyone I knew. And now I am, which is amazing. And it just gives you kind of a new freedom, I would even say. Yeah. So a weight lifted off of like, yeah, I'm good with who I am. And everybody around me is good with who I am. And kind of getting rid of that shame slowly. And kind of just like, like, oh, I don't have to have that. I can figure out how to live my life without the shame, which is nice. It never goes away, but it's there and it doesn't control what I do. Yeah, yeah. We can say it that way. I would love to hear a little bit about kind of like, you said you're more fully out to people in your life. And also you're living a life where it's not like you're getting asked specifically to label yourself. So like... Is there anything interesting to know about how some of those conversations unfolded? Or was it just more like comfort of discovery and sharing with people who are important to you? Like, I'm trying to think back because I think it just happened really naturally of just me being in an environment which was a little more accepting because I live now in Tel Aviv, which is a lot more gay friendly, it's a lot more out there. And I was able to figure out what I wanted without having the shame around me. Whereas different cities I lived in, you felt it more. And here you don't feel it as much. I also changed jobs as a social worker still, but working now in an environment where we have nine men working with us and eight of them are gay. So (gasps) just being in that setting was really freeing. Yeah. Having like a a gay community, you can say, which I was never really part of. Dude, relatable. Yeah, it just kind of gave me that freedom to just be like, oh, okay, I can live this life and be happy and like have friends that are gay and not feel the pressure of trying to hide things or trying to not be who I am. And also being okay with like, there's still parts of me that are less feminine or more masculine. Not having that extra voice in my head of like, well, hide that part or don't show that part or just being who you are and being able to have those conversations openly has been really cool. And I think also like just being in a setting with a lot of gay men, the conversations are more relatable. I think with my straight friends sometimes, like they don't fully understand what I'm talking about. Whether yeah. it comes to like the sex culture within the gay community, some of my friends, if you're talking about one night stands or like, yeah, like I met a guy, talked to him on Griner and met him and like within a half hour, 40 minutes, it was like, oh, okay, bye. And they're like, wait, what? 
And then yeah. within this community, it's like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, okay, that's how that works. So that was really interesting of like having that freedom of like, oh, this person knows exactly what I'm talking about. I don't need to explain myself. So it kind of gave me that confidence to be like, oh, okay, I can be who I am and I can have more confidence in myself and not be hiding any part of it. That was really cool. Yeah, just something like that was also really cool was that I decided to come out to my dad finally, which I think last time you had asked me about it, I was like, oh, that's in prog- a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that was just a really cool moment of like, he was very accepting and it was just a great conversation. And it kind of gave me that extra freedom of like, there isn't anything stopping. I think for a while it was like, oh wait, if I get into a relationship at some point, I have to tell my father. And then it's like this ax hanging over your head of like, oh, but that's really scary. And now I feel like that's completely gone. And I can just be who I am and do what I want and not worry about what's going to happen afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so I know this is a your past guest update and this is not about me, but everything you're saying is like <laughs> sparking for me so hard and I'm like, did the universe just like drop you back into my life to like be a clear signal? Because, you know, I am not fully open about all of the depths of sex work explorations I've been doing. I talk about exploring the hierarchy and I talk about that with my family openly. And while I think a lot of what I'm doing is very obvious to anyone who is looking to pay attention to try to figure it out i still haven't like it literally is the same thing where it's like i just haven't been like hey dad here's specifically everything i'm doing and part of that is because i've gotten a lot of advice from friends and family members that are like well it's your sex life though so like you know dads don't want to know your dad probably doesn't want to know and i would love to hear from your perspective i know it's a different set of circumstances a different scenario but What was that conversation like? Did you like intentionally initiate it or were you more opportunistic? And like, yeah, just tell us some details, if you will. Oh, yeah, this was intentional. Like, I think that I kind of did get to this point where I was just like, I can't have this hanging over my head. Like, I don't want that thought of, okay, if I get in a relationship, there's going to be that moment where now I have to say something, but I'm in a relationship, so it's going to be way more complicated. And I think my dad had just invited me out for dinner and I was like, okay, this is the dinner. <laughs> this is the time. Like, I'm going to build it up in my head and like, it's going to happen. And we went and I remember being really nervous. My dad's a very accepting person. He's not very verbal, but yeah. I've never gotten any sort of non-accepting energy from him. Like, he's yeah. always, he's just who he is. And he just like, you know, everybody do what they want and he does what's good for him. But he is religious. So it was like this thing of like, oh, I don't know how that's going to go. And I remember, like, I was like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom, and I was like, okay, just do it. Just sit down and say, like, say, Dad, I'm gay, and it'll just, whatever happens, happens. Where were you in the dinner at this point? Like, was it beginning dinner, middle dinner? Oh, no, this was, I was like, there's no way I'm sitting for a full dinner. Okay, that was my, my thought, too. I'm like, yeah. With this hanging over. I was way too nervous. I was like, I can't eat like this. So, like, literally just sat down right away, came back from the bathroom, and I was just like, Dad, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what? And I was like, I'm gay like okay he asked some weird questions I was like I'm gonna give him the space to do it I mean I think one of the first things he said was like oh he's remarried now like my parents are divorced so he's remarried and he's like uh his wife had been a singer so she had been around a lot of gay men and he's like yeah she she was around a lot of gay men so she kind of understands and she asked me if you were gay and I was like well what did you say he's like oh I don't know <laughs> I think like like, you didn't think to ask me or, you know, maybe explore that. Yeah. 
he asked me if it was because of something that had happened, mm. like because of my relationship with my mom or something. I don't even remember what he said exactly. And I was like, no, this is kind of how I was born. Wasn't something that happened because of something else. And I think a lot of people right away are just like, oh, well, he doesn't know when you have to explain it to him. And I'm like, I think it's a process for everybody. Like, yes. whatever you're telling your family, if it's something they didn't necessarily want for you or think that that was your future, I think they need their time as well to go through their process. And the expectation that someone even as accepting as they are is going to be like, oh, great. I love that for you. When they themselves may not understand it or know what's happening. Yeah. I think you really need to give people that space. That is such a good point. And the other thing that it brings to mind for me as I have grown in my own sexy ways with my family witnessing some of it is it finally just in the last couple of years occurred to me that obviously so many of us did not get the level of sex education or instruction, especially the emotional components, which I'm curious to hear more about. And it's like our parents didn't either. And so for so long, I was like, mm, what? My mom and dad, I don't know. And lately, you know, the past year or two, they have made more and more jokes. They've been increasingly open with me, not if the rest of my family is around, or maybe if it's just other adults their age that are friends. But it finally occurred to me, I'm like, oh, they are now looking to me to lead this portion of our relationship because it is my expertise and I'm only getting more and more expert. You know, I just told them I'm going back to get my master's in sexual health. They love education. They're like, oh my gosh, a master's program, you know, and and my dad <laughs> last year finally asked, you know, sweetie, why sex? Like, why the focus on sex? And so that opened up a conversation about rejection and social skills and how I learned from talking to hundreds of people that my brain works real different and my processing is different and the ways that I connect are different. And so it's like, so beautiful that you were able to create that space for your dad. I wonder also if maybe some of it had to do with the tools that you've learned through your profession. Yeah, I think a lot of it was, it's funny because it's just like saying, you know, like the psychiatrist is the one that needs the most help and it's mm -hmm. like the, the social worker is the one that needs the most therapy. I think it was really a lot through therapy that you learn those tools and kind of just exploring yourself. And it was just funny because like you said, when you said, uh, when you were talking about your parents, it, it just clicked in me that I was like, I think it's in your 30s. You realize that your parents are people. Yeah. I think like you realize, oh, like this is a person who's gone through everything I've gone through as well. Not exactly the same, but they've grown up. They've had, you know, hardships. They've had good times. They've had bad times. Confusion moments. They also might not understand how to have this conversation. And yes. you're like, oh, oh, okay. It's not like this needs to be the parent of a young kid who needs to like walk them through everything. It's like, no, I'm an adult. I can now have those conversations. And if I want to talk about it, I can just talk about it and open up that conversation. Yeah. And I think with my dad, it was just this feeling of like, if I say something, like I said, he's not very communicative. I was like, the best case scenario is he says nothing and we never talk about this again. I was like, <laughs> okay. And actually, like, I felt like me sharing, he was able to also kind of talk about like, yeah, in the last couple of years, I've also been going on a journey of just trying to figure out like, you know, my life and what's been happening and how to make myself a better person. And, and it was just really nice. And he just ended up saying to me, like, you know, whatever makes you happy, like, that's what makes me happy. And that's mm. something that I didn't think I was going to hear from him. So it was actually it was a really nice moment. And it kind of just 
Like, I remember I went back in the bathroom afterwards and I just texted a friend. And I was like, I think this is the first time I feel like I can actually breathe. Mm, like, yeah. Without all that weight. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. I know that not every person in the world has that level of acceptance and what sounds like unconditional love from a parent. And I, for me, just hearing those stories and hearing that it does exist, you know, makes me hopeful that maybe even if it's not from a biological family member, we can co-create that world for each other, you know, if it's in a different community space. But I'm just so glad to hear that you had that from your dad. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really grateful that, like, I have a family that really does have that accepting in them. And it's a process. I think, like, the last two years, my mom's been going through the process. She also knew before, and she's a little more communicative and accepting. So she's also, like, there There were things she said, like, at the beginning when I came out to her, like, oh, well, I just don't see you with a man. Mm. Like, I don't think you realize how hurtful that is, but okay. And, like, the last time I met up with her, again, we don't talk about relationships. She was like, are you dating someone? Mm. And I was like, oh, this is a nice new conversation. Yeah nice to be able to have those open conversations. Yeah, and it's so beautiful the ways in which you are inviting that from your parents, you know, just to share one more like personal reflection in kind of a mirror moment. Like my parents were recently staying the night at my place so I could take them to the airport super early the next morning. And I was just coming back from an erotic photography session with a couple. And I've been increasingly open about the fact that my photography is not just headshots and that, that I'm actually helping people create a lot of content. And so I came back and I was telling, I was like, it's such a good session. They connected so much. Like they're this sweet couple. And I was like telling them about it in the hotel. And my dad was like, so it was just a photography session. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and part of me was like, would I even tell my parents? Because sometimes I do connect with clients. You know, I meet most of the people in my personal life through work, but I'm like, it would be so next level for me to like, like come home and be like, yeah, and we just fucked and I'm now seeing you after that. Like, you know, and I was like, and I was like, oh, uh, I mean, like, I do have a crush on them a little bit, you know, and I think, you know, maybe they'll come back to Los Angeles sometime, but this was just the focus was on them and their relationship, you know, <laughs> and, and just like thinking about how it would feel to say those things or even like learning more, even through jokes about you know, my mom has been much more open with me than she was on my very first episode of Sex Stories. And that's so beautiful. And also it's it's totally new territory. For sure. I have two questions, though. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask? Of course. Okay. One, you're very artistic. And my question is, is that shown in your home? Because you're saying they slept by you. Is there not things in your house that would maybe be like, oh, that's what she does? Like, do I you mean, not have pictures around? So I don't have, let's see. I do have a couple of like erotic-ish photos of me that are like semi-hidden. They also have seen all of my like, you know, when I used to post naked stuff on Instagram, like they were like, well, you never did like wearing clothes, <laughs> you know, so they've, they're familiar with that. They're not really weird about that. And also we grew up, we don't see each other naked, but we're in swimsuits a lot, but grew up in kind of the like German European culture of like, we go to spas, we're not weird about it. My house is full of lots of sex books. But, like, I do make an effort to, like, put all my dildos and sex toys in one far-right wardrobe. Like, if my dad opened up that wardrobe, he would see all of the things. 
I have no idea if I've ever, like, left something lying around. I know I've definitely left, like, dildos out, like, stuck to the bathroom wall when my sister was over. That's kind of a different level. And she was like, she's like, sister, why do you need two of them there? I was like, uh, I was doing a DP in the bathroom. Don't ask I don't too know. many questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, and they know, right? Like, then so they just, do, and, and right now, most recently, my mom came over last week because they live a three-hour drive. So I see them periodically, but not all the time. They're not, like, coming into my space all the time but like i have like stacks of one condoms from a new sponsor and so i'm like oh okay yeah like she can see all those things and she's like oh glow in the dark and i was like do you want some and she's like no no i don't need to use that you know and so you know so they know but they also don't oh man i'm just realizing that i do my floggers yeah, so I guess I do have a lot of stuff around that I don't... <laughs> like, I'm, like, staring at, like, my desk where I have all of the, like, contraptions for recording. And I'm like, yeah, my my big, like, impact play bopper is there. My floggers, like, my paddles. You know, so I do have, like, implements and toys around. And I do literally have, like, a Tantra couch. But they don't know what that is, I don't think. No, not that couch. Don't sit on that couch. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually, sadly, I have never been fucked on my Tantra chair. Like... I did find it. I was going to a spa with a friend a couple years ago and we, she was like, stop the car, stop the car. You need that. And it was literally just like on the street in Silver Lake, like a, you know, a kind of fancy neighborhood in LA. And I was like, I shouldn't take a street Tantra chair, but she was like, we can clean it. And so we disinfected it. We checked for bed bugs and it's, you know, it's been fine, but it is waiting to get used Amazing. still. Well, it's a great way to start a conversation. If you're just like yeah. dildo in the middle of the table, like, oh, you want to know what this is? That's true. I guess I could like leave <laughs> out some butt plugs. <laughs> my inflatable butt plug what is this sweetie what oh. are these for <laughs> well yeah so i mean they get it but it's also because i do so many arts that are not strictly erotic but also erotic you know mostly people are just overwhelmed by the amount of creative things that i do and so it's like they get to focus on what to ask about and then i'm also so full of like facts and figures and like curiosity about society that is typically what i'm discussing with my parents is like you know kind of the nerdier aspects of connection and human communication especially as i've become increasingly open about the parts of humanity that i don't understand because i just hid it from the world for a long time and i've gotten by you know pretending like i know what's going on but mostly i don't and then the more i talk to other people i'm like oh they don't either they just pretend and they sit quietly next to each other and bop along and i'm you know i'm no longer willing to do that so lovers this episode is sponsored by blue chew we all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health but if proper rest exercise and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it check out bluechew.com Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. 
And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I too love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I would love to hear from you in this part of your journey that is more emotional and more kind of like curious about love, maybe as it relates to sex or maybe separately, like tell us what that is looking like or feeling like or what you're noodling on right now in that aspect. Yeah, I think last two years has been a lot. I think it's like hard to pinpoint those certain points. I think from when I was listening to the last conversation, I think I have gotten to a place where I'm a lot more aware of what I'm feeling at a certain time, whether it's a healthy feeling or not. Meaning whether it's something that I feel like is I'm in a good space or a bad space or I am on the shame meter. And then also when it comes to sex or meeting guys, like it it kind of blends together of like, okay, I can be more aware of what's happening in the moment. And it's led to to better sex, I think. And also times where I'm like, okay, I know what's gonna happen here a little more and I'm a little more aware of what the ramifications are, or mm-hmm. if I want to hook up with this guy right now, or I don't want to hook up, then on more dates, they haven't worked out, obviously. <laughs> Still Yet. single. Well, they're working. They're just working to filter that that's not the one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not not the one. But I think also today, like, I think I've gotten to a place where I'm realizing that sex is complicated for me. And it's just to the point where I'm like, I think I have to really just kind of like, take it out for a second just so I can kind of focus only on the emotional to try to make that connection with someone else. It makes things a little foggy. Like I went out with a guy and I was like, we're not having sex in the first three days. It's just not happening. I'm going to really like try this out (laughs) because it's not usually how it goes. And we went out on three dates and they were good. And we went back to his place. And the first time the sex was a lot better. I think it was also we had a connection, but also just that, we knew each other a little better. We had a little more of a comfort with each other. I knew it wasn't a, okay, and then tomorrow we're not going to talk again. Or at least I hoped it wasn't, and it wasn't. Right, we right. talked the next day, and we met up again, and we went on another date. And I think I've just come to a realization of I kind of just need to leave that space for the emotional connection at the forefront of it. So right now, I think it's been like a month and a half, two months. I haven't been on Grinder, haven't been meeting up with anybody, kind of just being with myself. And I realized that also for me, it just makes me feel so much better. Like when I met up with guys, a lot of the time could lead to shame. And even the one time had a huge effect on me of like, if it didn't go well, or if I don't know how to explain it, if if it led to some sort of shame, it kind of had a huge emotional toll. Mm -hmm. So not meeting up with anybody right now kind of has given me a lot of space to just be with myself and find the things I like about myself and work out a lot more and, and enjoy my body a lot more. Yeah, I'm not looking at myself in the eyes of someone else. I think right. when you're meeting up with people and having sex, sometimes you're, you're looking at like, well, how did they see me? Do they think I'm attractive? Do we not talk again? Cause I'm not attractive. Whereas mm. when I'm not meeting up with people and not having sex, I'm like, Oh, this is just about me. I find myself very attractive. So yeah. That's great. I'm still leaving that opening of like, yes, I do want to have, find that person that finds me very attractive and I find them attractive in any situation. And we can kind of 
you know, go on a journey together and figure it out. Yeah. But that's kind of where I am today. I have some follow-up questions, but first, can I make a visual observation about you for our listeners since they won't be seeing you? Yes. Okay, listeners, Alex is attractive by classic standards. There is like a jawline, which when I was in film school back in the day, I had a teacher that was like, symmetry and jawlines are what make a star. You know, and you have kind of this classic look. I see I see a cute little beard and just, just a nice smile, nice vibe. So I definitely would put you in the attractive category. Although I don't know if my opinion matters at all because I don't know if I even understand visual, physical attractiveness sometimes. So whatever that's worth. But I love, I love to hear that you are feeling attractive. And I think for me too, how I'm feeling in my body is, is really related to that. I would love to hear, okay, I have like a series of questions. So I'm going to ask them and then we can figure out how to organize them and ask if needed. So I've been thinking a lot about, well, gay man wise grinder in general, casual sex culture, and then like trying to date with the intention of connected, ongoing partnership, and like the criteria for bringing sex into that. And I, as you were talking, I realized that I have had some stories of like, if only I were a gay man, because I've sort of been blaming my femness on like, I'm scared of girls because there's the lesbian U-Haul stereotype and I don't know if I want something so fast. And I'm, you know, with guys, I do have experience after experience, especially if I reveal any of what I do, like at any level, even if it's just photography, especially in Los Angeles, they're like, oh, would you take some pictures of me? And I'm like, God damn it, another narcissist that just wants to use my creative skills. Uh, you know, and, and, and if I t- lead with sex, then it's like, oh, well, she likes it, you know. And then on the other side, when I I've lately met a couple of people who I'm like, I really like them. They're going so slow and giving me so much space that I'm like, do they even like me? Why don't they want to fuck me when I'm making it very clear I want to connect in this way? And so I would love to hear from you maybe like reflections on grinder experience, whatever you're comfortable sharing. If you've already shared enough, that's totally fine. And kind of like maybe criteria for emotional connection and like the unanswerable question of like, could we just have casual sex and then let that turn into something? I know it happens for some people, but I wonder why it doesn't more often. I would love to hear your noodles on any of that, whatever sparks. Oh my God, it's so complicated. There's so much to unpack there. <laughs> I know. I feel like dating culture, I don't know if it's just nowadays and maybe 30, 40 years ago or our parents' generation, there was just a lot more shame around things. So like, And less availability. Yeah, and things were more in a box of just how things went. And I think also we were a lot more connected community-wise. Yes. Just because there was an internet, so you found your communities, you were going out all the time and people, that's how you looked for love. And nowadays it kind of becomes more individualistic where everybody's kind of looking on their own and not necessarily through friends and not necessarily meeting someone. It could just be, I'm just going to be on the apps and that's how I'm going to find love. And there's so much complexity in that. I think when it comes to the hookup culture in general, it's very difficult. I find that also my girlfriends, when I talk to them about it, I'm kind of hearing almost the same things from them. Mm. I think they sometimes have more boundaries up Meaning, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll sleep with this guy, but like, we're going to go on a date and we're going to meet each other. And like, I kind of already know from my first conversation with him that I don't want a relationship with him, but like, I need to, you know, kind of give that space 
so that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a whore. I mean, that's their thought process. I don't think. I'm like, if you want to have sex with them, go have sex with them. It's like, you know, you both want to. Who cares? And I think that's more of where men are. A lot of them. I won't speak for all men. Yeah. Of like, yeah, if we want to have sex, we'll just have sex. And that's fine. I think it's complicated because I also think within the gay community, not everybody wants to say that the hookup culture when it comes to just like one night stands and meeting within 10 minutes, there are things in that that are toxic. I think they can be good experiences. And like you said, I know people who that has led to a long-term relationship and a lot of great stuff. But I think it's because they then slowly built a relationship, found some sort of first connection. And I think we kind of like, I like this in therapy. I think we kind of have this fantasy of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally just go into Grinder, find someone great. We're going to hook up. It's going to be amazing. We're then going to have a relationship. We're going to have children and we're going to be together forever. And so you don't mind doing that over and over again, thinking mm. that's going to be what happens. Whereas the reality of it is most of the time it doesn't. <laughs> and I think there are people who've done a lot of work and then are able to separate that, like, still go have hookups, enjoy them, and then also know that they're looking for something more. And this is not necessarily where they're going to find it, but they're open to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Low expectation, high possibility. Yeah. And I think just the emotional capability of separating that. I think that's what I've learned about myself right now. I don't have that capability. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like mixes in. And then I I have this fantasy world that I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And then usually it doesn't work out or it comes with a lot of shame. And then I'm like, is this what I should be doing? And I just think in general, like we all have this fantasy of what a partner is and like what they're going to give me and what I'm going to give them and then what's going to happen. That the slightest inconvenience nowadays is enough to be like, well, I don't need this. There are plenty of other people and the apps can show me 300 people. So why would I stay here? And it's like, he literally just told you he doesn't feel well. It's okay. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to see you. It doesn't mean he doesn't like you. He doesn't feel well. That could be the truth. And I find that with a lot of my friends, they have a lot of expectations. And then when they're not met in the slightest, it's like, well, this isn't working for me. Yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that too, where it's like, I only discovered after creating some blunder I didn't know I was doing that there was an expectation. And I think sometimes people are also finding that out in real time. I'm curious also, where are you meeting people, if not on Grinder? And do you feel comfy sharing your fantasy of like how nourishing partnership might fit into or show up in your life? Yeah, I mean, I'm not on Grinder. I'm on Tinder. That's not okay. working out real well. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really meeting people. I mean, a friend just was like, oh, hey, there's this, my friend has a friend who's cute and like is looking for a relationship. And I was like, great, I'm open to everything. Like, send me a pic. Send yeah. me a pic. And then I'm like, oh, are there more pictures? Because you can really see what he looked like. And she's like, oh, I'm waiting for him to send it. And I haven't heard from her. So I'm like, okay, okay. another one. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of just trying to also figure out what communities I can be a part of to kind of meet more people. I have a lot of friends, but not necessarily that have friends that are single. So I I think I'm kind of figuring it out. When it comes to partnerships, I think it's just dangerous to think you know what what you need or what they're going to need. Because it's two people who come with their own worlds and something I might have gotten from a past relationship, I might not get from this relationship. I was just telling a friend who was saying how the guy her boyfriend now, they don't meet up as much as she would like. Mm. And I was like, but maybe in his world, meeting up isn't necessarily what defines closeness to him. 
Yeah, like frequency. For you, it's meeting up, it's yeah. out every day, it's all of this. And maybe for him, the fact that he introduces you to his family, the fact that he, you know, makes an effort to call you, the fact that he even wants to meet up with you is enough for him to feel close to you. So you're two different people coming into this relationship that just have to figure out how the parts fit or don't fit. So yeah. I think for me, that's what I'm looking for. Someone who's willing to even try to figure out where the parts fit. Yeah, someone who's willing to have that conversation and with whom I have enough overlap where the words translate. Because I think the more that I talk to people, the more I'm like, oh, we're saying words and I think I know what you mean and you think you know what I mean and we're on completely different pages using these imperfect words. I think that's been kind of like something that's been really resonant for me lately. It's like words alone and similar words alone are not always enough. Yeah, but I think that that's that part of that person that wants to try yeah. is enough, I think. And I try to like, when I have these conversations with my friends, I'm like, but that's enough. He's listening to you and trying to understand. He didn't understand, but maybe have that conversation again. Yeah. Try to figure out a different way to say it, where you're still saying what you want to say, but then he might understand it better. And the fact that that person is still there and still trying, I think that goes a long way. And I just think a lot of people are like, well, they didn't understand me, so we're done. Yeah. Well, you're probably not going to get anywhere, yeah. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> That's such a good point. You know, and this idea of the expectations that we bring into a relationship and maybe the expectations at varying levels of consciousness, right? Like, I don't always know what I'm unconsciously expecting until something reveals it to me. And I've been keenly aware of it as I have been open in my mind and my heart to having partnership that would be consistent, delicious, someone I can explore with, someone who is turned on by the fact that I want to explore with many people, that I want to cross off all these bucket list items, and they're invited, but I also don't expect one person to, to be all of that. It's been so funny because I have been introduced, like I've been, basically people are like, why, oh, I want to matchmake you. And I have a couple cases where that's gone like amazingly, like my current crush is like, actually, one of my other lovers was like, you need to meet this person. And I was like, okay. And that that in itself was like layers of turn on because like, you know, me and this current lover are not in a romantic track, but like, we're not going to put our lives together. But like, his friend is like a very, you know, that's awesome. And I've also had the disaster version of that, right? Where people are like, you have to meet so-and-so. And I was like, all right. And so that for me will get an instant yes to a date if it's like a friend I trust who's a high-powered, like, recommend and there have been multiple times where that's been like fucking terrible and so then i compare that to like the expectations from an app you know the part that's hard for me is like you match and so i'm like oh we match now i guess we like each other but it's like the whole thing no matter where it comes from is always an exploration and so do you keep that in mind as you're meeting people or like what signals are you looking forward to go from that first date to a second date and do you feel like you are leading the pacing or do you feel like it really is a dance i feel like it's a horrible dance that nobody wants to do <laughs> just because i'm very like if i want something i'm just gonna say it like i don't yeah. really care i don't really care if you think that i'm going too fast going too slow whatever it is like if i want it i want it yeah me too and so i feel like most of the time i'm the one that's kind of like putting a foot forward and being like okay hey Let's go out again. And I'll do that to a point where I'm just like, if I'm not feeling it back from you, 
even if I'm asking you four or five times to go out, but I am feeling the chemistry from you and I feel like you want to be there, you're giving me that feeling back of like wanting to hang out with me. I'll just keep asking. Like, I don't mind doing that. And I don't think it's a no, but now they need to ask. No, no, no. You need to wait. Don't talk to them for four hours, then wait, then just text them, hey, and see what they say. Like, I'm like, no, I want to just <laughs> ask them out. I'll just ask them out again. And like, my friends think I'm crazy. And they might be right because it hasn't worked yet, but <laughs> well, I'm just like, that's depends on the person. Yeah. And th- that's what I keep telling myself. I'm like, when it's the right person, things will align. And then I have this other voice some days that's like, but maybe your pacing is so far off. You're the one destroying connection, you know, and or destroying the opportunity to connect. And, you know, I, there, I don't think there's any one right answer, but that's why I like to noodle about this together because not everyone I talk to is even thinking about this stuff. Not that we have to, you know, I hear a lot of feedback that I'm overthinking, but I'm like, well, I connect through information. I need structures. And I think in my perfect world, I could just like fuck someone and then also have them treat me nice and grow a relationship. You know, maybe that's a fantasy. Maybe that's a wild fantasy. We'll see. I think everybody is thinking a lot. I think not everybody voices it and like I have a lot of friends who will talk about anxieties around the relationship like I want to tell this person that I'm not ready for them to meet my family Mm. and sometimes I'll be like okay well why don't you tell them well I feel like if I tell him he might get hurt they might not like what I'm saying and then this might end and I'm like wait a second you don't want to be with someone that if you tell them something or how you're feeling, it stops the relationship. So you should just say what you need to say. It's hard. You're being very vulnerable. Like you're showing your vulnerability of saying like, this is how I feel. But in the end of the day, you want that person that when you say how you feel, they might not agree with you, but they're going to listen and they're going to be like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree or I do agree. And then have a conversation about it. And I think that's a lot of what I'm looking for. Just someone who's open to having those conversations of, I can feel comfortable sharing my thoughts and what's going on in my head. Yeah. And then being able to just be like, okay, let's talk about it. And the same thing for me to be able to be like, okay, I'm interested enough in you and I care about you enough that you can say anything and we can just have that conversation. Mm. I think that's like what a relationship is. It also doesn't put any expectations on it. There's no expectation. It's just listening and communicating. And I don't think a lot to ask for, but. Well, it it is and it isn't, right? Like on some levels, it is the most basic part of a relationship to just be like, hey, I'd like to be able to be myself. And if you are going to be one of the closest people in my inner circle, I would hope that you like myself, you know, like me as I am. And, And for me, it's really only in the last couple months that I have realized there have been opportunities in my life that I have been taking that are kind of painful to create boundaries of like, hey, actually, if you're in my inner circle, it's okay if I like scare you sometimes. And I always need to be treated with kindness and respect. For so long, I have been so used to accidentally triggering people without warning that I've been like, oh, yeah, it's me. I'm bad. I'm wrong. Oh, okay. You know, and I've been like squiggling myself up to try to maintain relationships where finally recently with one dear friend, I was like, you know, it feels really, really bad that one of my best friends I trigger so regularly and I don't know when they're going to disappear and I don't know when they're going to come back. And I, as my own best friend, 
want something different for myself. And it doesn't mean our relationship has to end, but I think this is painful for you too, and I think it's hard for both of us, and I wonder if we might just move to an outer circle. And it's like, it took me so fucking long to sort of like realize that that is okay. And it is for me painful in those, in those moments where I'm looking for that deeper connection, you know, romantically or friendship wise, for me, there is a lot of overlap. And that's why I also really like clear containers like work where I love, and this is what dating is missing for me, right? I love having like an activity to do together where we get to see how we collaborate and communicate and there's absolutely no pressure. I understand that in the world we live in right now, that is considered rapey in many ways, shape, or form, you know, to like hit on people at work or whatever. As an artist, I get a lot more leeway, but that's just something that, that kind of sparked when you said that. Do you have any like foundational pieces that you like really would need to feel nourished from a partner? Like whether it's emotional or physical or just even like how you want to live your life together. I know that it's like, an imperfect question, but I'm just curious what's baking in your head. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just acceptance. My mom said it best. Like, I always love you. I don't always have to like you. Your mom said that to you? Yeah. I have to say that I think it's one of the biggest things that kind of always kept me together because mm. that knowledge of like, I'm allowed to not like you right now. Mm. You are my child, but yeah. I don't like what you're doing. I don't yeah. like what you're saying. I don't like what's happening, but no matter what, I'm going to love you. And yeah. I think that that's like that unconditional love of like, no, I don't have to say like, I love you no matter what. And yeah. I'm always going to love you and like you. And you're going to be the best thing that's ever happened to this world. It's more realistic to me of like, no, I'm always going to love and care for you, but I don't have to like what you're doing. I don't have to agree with it. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and we can still have the relationship. We can still have the conversations. And it kind of takes pressure off of you of not always having to be liked. Yeah. I think that's part of what made me who I am today of like, if you love me, you're going to accept me no matter what. We're going to have problems. I'm going to say things that you don't like. I'm going to do things you don't like. But just like you're my friend and I love you, we'll talk about it and we'll get through it or we won't get through it. But I know that that person, if they really do love who I am, we're going to get through. Mm. And I think that's kind of what I'm looking for in a relationship of being in that place where you feel enough security of like, oh, this person loves me. They're going to be there. And anything that comes along, we can kind of get through at least most things. I think there's extremes that, you know, there's just things people can't get through and people break up and things don't work out. And like, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm delusional in that aspect, <laughs> but finding that relationship where it's like, we both want to weather the storm and we want to find that place of like loving each other enough that we don't always have to like each other. And that's okay. Oh, that is such a beautiful point to make. And I've been thinking a lot of relationships in terms of growth partnership, you know, and sometimes I have a growth partner that may only be a few weeks in my life or a few months in my life. And if they are the type of growth partner that's going to be years in my life, it's just a different type and texture of communication, that level of understanding to kind of, like you said, weather those storms and grow together. Whereas sometimes we just have the friction of growing and we're like, okay, we're done with that section of growth. Is there anything else to say specifically about your updates in the past couple of years, whether it's specific hot stories, things that you've loved, or do you want to tell us about your hopes for the future? Yeah, I mean, I have one story that was, it was just a really good experience. And I think like all the work I've done had led up to like just having a very good sex experience. A guy I met on Grindr, like we were talking and then he lives close by. So he's like, why don't you come over? So I went over and we sat and just had a really good connection, a really good conversation. And then the sex 
was amazing. I mean, we met up twice. The first time I was active and he was passive and it was a lot of fun. And I was listening to the podcast from before and I was like, yeah, we talked about butt sex. And I was just like, yeah, I don't think anal's for me until I'm in a relationship, whatever. And now I'm a lot more open to it. And I'm like, no, 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 I like it. It just has to be the right person. Yeah. So the first time we met up, I was active completely. And then the second time I was like, okay, I kind of want to, like I came ready and I was like, I want to try this. Like, I think this will be fun. And there was just some sort of connection there. And I sweat a lot during sex. And mm-hmm. he like had this thing where he was just like, I love fluids, like any mm. fluids. Oh. And I was like, I don't have a problem with fluids. Just don't spit in my mouth and we'll yeah. be good. I can spit in yours, but I'm just not. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. I, something was spitting. I don't know. It just never worked for me. It was also hot in sex that it was like when you're sweating and something maybe someone wouldn't like. It's like, oh, you're sweating so much. And this person was like, no, I love it. I keep sweating. And I'm like, okay. And then, first of all, his dick was huge. Like, it was very thick. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work because I don't do this so much. Yeah. And so it's real narrow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just amazing because. You know, you're getting into it. And then he was like, okay, listen, we'll try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And he was really calm about it. Mm -hmm. And we started and he penetrated and went in. And then he could see that I was nervous. Mm -hmm. And he was like, stop, stop for a second. He just like put his hand on my chest. And was like, just breathe with me. And it was one of the most amazing experiences I've had in sex of just like this connection. And like, he saw me, he saw that I was like, anxious and all the anxiety kind of went away and it just slipped mm. right in and amazing set. Damn. That is so beautiful. Did you have anal warm up or was it was the cock the warm up? Like were you just working in with that? And do are poppers a thing over there? I'm learning more about poppers and I'm like oh. poppers are a thing. I okay. do not partake. I don't know. For me it was just like in general I don't like anything that enhances. Same. Yeah. I, I just feel like I'm good with me. Yeah, same, same, same. I'm like, give me the endorphins. That's my high. (laughs) The funny thing is that we talked about it last time, like the lack of sexual education. I think even once I kind of understood and started learning about douching and like what you have to do and how to make yourself real clean, I hooked up with a different guy and it was like the third time we hooked up and we started talking, we hooked up for a while and we had sex like three times and in between times we started talking about like, douching and cleaning and all of this stuff and then he pulls out this like ring and I'm like what is that he's like no you put it in before to prep yourself and also in order to clean it expands the rectum and then opens up the canal so that you don't have to put anything inside you can just clean it from the outside like what (laughs) why do I not know that this exists like I'm not what seriously dude that's how i feel every single day i'm like could someone just give me all the sex toys and then i'll categorize them and go through them and make tutorial documentary okay but like wow now i'm like i want one okay whoa i I was also like i want one wait a second this this (laughs) totally changes my whole world because like if i was gonna clean this seems so much quicker so much easier like it also in the end expands so it makes you a little more ready and a little more like you know into it and i was like I have to try that one time and yeah. like get, get that sex toy. So yeah, but then specifically, like I didn't do any prep other than cleaning, but he was very slow and like very like at my pace. And, and so it was really nice. And- Beautiful. Okay. 
I know we kind of touched on this throughout the episode, but sexually speaking, what are your hopes going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, I do want to get a vibrator or a dildo at some point. I've never tried it. And I was mm. like, okay, next birthday when my friends ask me what I want, I'll be like, uh, you can get me that. And I do really think, like, I just want to try a journey with a partner who's an emotional and romantic partner and sexual partner that just kind of like someone who's consistent, who we're getting to know each other sexually and emotionally and and all of it just because I've never had that experience. So I feel like it would be an interesting experience. Yeah, I think I'm also trying to work on that point of just like, anyone you meet isn't going to have everything. And I'm like, what am I willing to give up on? Like, dick size, am I willing to negotiate their, like, their personality? Am I a little more willing to negotiate there? Like, I don't know. And I feel like just when I get to meet people, get to know them, you kind of feel the vibes and see how it goes. And that guy that I went out with a couple times and like, we went out for a while, like, didn't have the biggest dick, and I was good with it. And I was like, yeah. okay, like, I'm okay. Nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure comes in all sizes. And I, I really relate to that. I find myself morphing depending on who I'm meeting and what they're sparking inside me. Everyone is my muse. It's just like, are they going to get close to me enough to inspire me in a big way? Or is it going to be just like a little flash, you know? Okay, one more question. This is not your job, but I am looking for noodle friends. We might have to rename sex stories because of just the amount of like difficulty that we're running into with sharing sex stories, like literally just the word having the word sex in it. I know there are other podcasts that are successful, but we are, I don't know, we've been getting squished, especially in the Spotify algorithm lately. So what do you think is the like essence of this podcast that we might capture? This is just noodle. You don't have to come up with a name, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I'm thinking connection. I'm thinking about humans. I'm thinking about love. I'm thinking about making love. I'm thinking about play. From the little you know, what sparks for you? I mean, I think the word that comes to mind is like also vulnerability. Mm. It's also the fact that you give people a platform that they can decide if they want to be anonymous, not anonymous, if they want to be on camera or not on camera. I don't know. I think the fact that sex is in the title kind of gives you that freedom of like, oh, we can talk about anything here. Yeah. Ooh. Which I really like of just like, talk about anything. It's an open space. Oh. The open, the word open reminds me of the butt plug toy. Like the, <laughs> ooh, ooh, and I do like circles. How, how open is it going to be? <laughs> how wide can you get it? <laughs> yeah. And I think also that it's like that wide range of topics. I just find it so interesting that a lot of people, when you get to conversations about sex, and I find this with a lot of my friends, it never stops at sex. No. I don't think I've ever been in a conversation where someone's talked about sex, even with a, a sexual partner, where yeah. it might be just a one-night stand and we start talking about sex. It always somehow leads to another subject, whether it's relationships, whether it's family, whether it's... Communication. Yeah, it just never stops at sex. And yeah. I just find it so interesting that we all think about it so much and want to have sex so much, yet when we talk about it, we're like, oh yeah, but it's connected to this and that and that and this and that and... You just yes. find all these connections. Well, that's such a good point. And that's why I personally feel, I know the sex ed I had fell far, far short because I took it in a summer school class from a Christian long distance study program. But, you know, it's <laughs> like, I... A lot to unpack there. <laughs> a lot to unpack there. Also because of my like pattern of like wanting to have all the classes. So then I try to get lots of stuff out of the way in summer school. But I continue to realize that when I am talking to people about sex, mostly what we're really trying to talk about is context in which 
the physical act feels the most gratifying, satisfying, and uplifting of our whole lives. And so that's why now I'm like, fuck, I also want to ask people, you know, and all of these questions are on yole.com slash share, because I have the sex stories questions, I have the professional sex stories questions, and now I have relationship, dating, marriage, divorce, love, secrecy, friendship, and creativity question lists. And I'm like, I want to ask everybody everything. And then I'm also just like, <laughs> maybe stop asking questions. You know, like I had a friend recently be like, um, is it possible to be too curious? And that just like rings in my head because I'm like, well, two is a judgment here, but what is the goal here? You know, is my goal actual connection? And also I love connecting through hearing what other people are noodling on at a given moment. So um, I think that's an astute and accurate observation of it's like sex is never just sex. And how do we educate ourselves and each other and make a world where taking care of each other is the norm? Because I think that's for me what's missing in most of the dating culture right now. It's sort of this, like you said earlier, you know, this individualistic, like, well, I got to look out for myself. Well, maybe you're not good enough. So I have to go blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but how do we do like mutually caring growth partnerships? <laughs> I think it's just interesting because I feel like also within like the social work world, a lot for years really been focusing on the individual. And I think now, especially within social work, it's really looking at the community and ways to build communities. It's yeah. something that has in the last 20 years kind of started to disappear where less and less people are part of communities, whether they're natural communities or once they leave the home, it's like, okay, now I have to find communities. And they also find that a lot of people if you go through some sort of traumatic event or whatever it is, communities usually get through it a lot better yeah. than individuals Absolutely. just because you already have this space to share and people you lean on. And I think also within dating, we kind of, like you said, have gone to this individualistic place and not seeing, you know, the whole and how this is going to work and how this is going to affect the rest of my circle. Yeah, and the way I treat people, point. how it's going to affect them and their circles and just you know, seeing the bigger picture. Yeah. It's so interesting, too, because it's you literally can't have a social anything with one single person. Like, like social stuff is, is the dynamic. It's the connection. It's the relationship or lack thereof. Yep. Damn. Alex, thank you so much for coming back and sharing your updated sex stories. I hope you do it again in the future, and I can't wait to hear what it's like when you do find some uh, some more delicious, satisfying partnerships, however they look. Thank you. I really enjoyed it.